Hello and welcome to Wave Spawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello Bobby, glad to be doing another episode. Now in today's episode, we are going to be talking about Demon Slayer Infinite Train Arc, otherwise known as the Demon Slayer movie. And as always, spoilers ahead. Yeah, so Demon Slayer Infinite Train Arc, or also called Mugen Train Arc, which is just the Japanese translation, is the first Demon Slayer movie and the direct continuation of the first season. The film was directed by Saruo Sotozaki, who had a role in the animation department of the prior season, as well as other anime such as Cowboy Bebop. The anime was written by UFO Table, or UFO Table. Um, there's a little bit of debate on how to pronounce it. And it was also produced by the same studio, as well as Aniplex and Shueisha, or Shueisha. The movie was first released in Japan on October 16th of 2020, and it had a budget of approximately... Uh, 15.8 million US dollars and had a box office earning of about 500 million dollars setting it at the highest grossing film in 2020 and the highest grossing film or highest grossing anime film of all time beating out Spirited Away by 105 million dollars and Spirited Away previously held this title for 19 years the film was in the top 10 films of the Japanese box office for 32 street uh, weeks straight which is the second longest consecutive weeks the number one sitting at 40 consecutive weeks and that was Titanic which this record was set in 1997 so it came really close and it's the closest one to beating out Titanic's consecutive top 10 um, charts since 24 years ago so now we could probably go on for a long time talking about how many records that this film has shattered, but I don't know if we want to see it here for that long just listing them off because it set records in a lot of different countries and in a lot of different categories. So we're just going to let you guys uh, look into that a little more if you're interested, but it was a very successful film to say the least, and it was all over social media and the internet. And the Rotten Tomatoes scoring for this film has it sitting at 98 to 99%. Overall, I would say the fans were very satisfied. Yeah, I kind of, I get that from, you know, just the 32 weeks straight, you know, maybe <laughs> and that's over during $500 million. A, and that was during a pandemic. So imagine if like people could have gone out to the theaters in larger numbers. Imagine what how much money this film could have made but it did make a lot of money with streaming services and stuff but still yeah i i personally actually saw it in the theaters did you or did you i did it? not i was out of town for work at the time so by the time i got home i think it was only in theaters for about a week and i wasn't able to get out in time so i had to stream it a couple weeks ago yeah, so I got to enjoy it in the actual theater with a couple of my friends. So that would it was nice really cool watching experience. it. Yeah, I w it was good because I'm also personally, the I'm a huge 
film goer, and I love going to the theaters to watch film. But for me, I'm always weird. I always like to wait like a week after a movie comes out. There were some people that want to go see it opening day and enjoy when everyone is kind of like going along with the film. And I'm not saying there's nothing like wrong with that. But I personally, when I like go to a theater, I don't like when a lot of people talk during it. So even if there's like hype moments, it's like, yeah, it's cool. But like, I don't want it to be over excessive to where like you can't hear any of the dialogue or like it goes on longer than you think. Like everyone's cheering and you're trying to figure out like what's going on. So I generally go like a week after to see it to make sure like I don't get like a rowdy theater, I guess I can say. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong against it. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, so I'm-, I'm glad when I went, I didn't really experience that. There were a few moments where people were like <gasps> like mm-hmm. gasp or like did show up but it was nothing that didn't last like five seconds long yeah i'm i'm basically the same way i like going a few weeks after just to kind of let the crowd die die out and um just let it i like to have empty theaters typically when i go just like for the same reasons you do i just want a more engaging experience and i don't want to hear like people whispering behind my shoulder and over my shoulder and stuff so i feel that and uh, i probably would have done the same if i was in town yeah we did go kind of like within the first few days of dinner but with covid going around there wasn't that many people there so it was close to being full don't get me wrong but like i said it wasn't that rowdy but i'm really glad i did get to see it for me i kind of like the whole that they like did this in a movie instead of a like a second season mm-hmm. because i feel like with what happened it made a great movie and if they had to do it episodically i feel like it would have dragged out way too long because there's some parts where like when they went into their dream or whatever those kids went into mm-hmm. their dream i could easily have seen that go for like one episode for each person and then that would have been like oh my god this is dragging on and it would have been probably like half the season for the first fight and then probably another like five episodes for the last fight Mm -hmm. yeah they would have definitely i think it would have been a very drawn out and it actually would have made the season less enjoyable also i feel like what happened would have been less emotional impact as well Mm -hmm. if it got dragged out yeah i would agree so overall what were your impressions going into the film and just kind of like overall impressions of it before we jump into the story to be honest with you i i don't want to say i had like high expectations i'm not saying like it was going to be bad by any means i've only seen two anime movies this one and actually a dragon ball z one obviously i i don't watch dragon ball z i mostly went with my friends and i thought it was cool that an anime movie was going in theaters um, so i went said, and watched it you said you only watched two anime movies you mean anime movies in theaters yes in theaters yes. and so i was thinking I didn't know it, well I knew it was going to be like a continuation of the story so I didn't know how well they were going to do it 
I didn't think it was going to be almost like an actual movie, I guess. I thought it was just going to be a long excerpt almost to like connect the bridges between season one and season two. Because when I found out it was basically a bridge between it, I was like, ugh. So is it not going to be like a real movie? Is it just going to be like information overload and trying to explain everything going on in the second season without having like episodes to do it. So that's kind of what I thought was going into it. I didn't realize it was going to be like an actual movie. I know that's kind of confusing how I like explained it, but I'm trying to figure out a better way to explain it. So I, when I think of movies, a lot of times when it's like an anime movie, it's almost something i don't want to say not canon but doesn't have to do with what's going on in the main anime so like a lot of one piece or bleach or naruto movies naruto especially i know you've seen a few of them a lot of times they don't deal with anything that's going on with the actual anime itself it's like a complete separate story so i thought that's what was going to kind of happen and uh, I w well, that's what I thought at first was going to happen, and then it said it was going to be a bridge. So I was like, wait, if this actually is going to be canon, how good is it actually going to be? Because I thought it was going to be an info dump, basically explaining everything that's going on and more about what the Demon Core is, the Demon Slayer Core is and everything. And I thought it was just going to be big like exposition and backstory, but it wasn't. So I'm really glad it turned out the way it did yeah i i kept my expectations really low because from what i understood i thought it was going to be an entire season packed into one episode so i was really worried that either they would leave out a lot of important information or just not or give us too much information in a short amount of time to kind of force events to happen so i was really keeping my ex expectations low for this because i didn't know how well this was going to go over if they were going to do the whole thing on the train because knowing how much information they gave us in season one i was really scared that they were just going to shove all the same quantity of information down our throats for this one so i went in really low expectations but also secretly hoping that it was going to be amazing so it was kind of a back and forth thing in my mind but when i found out it was rated r i was pretty shocked because I was expecting it to be a lot more suited, suitable for that rating. I thought there was going to be a lot more intensity and blood and death. But the R rating was very excessive after the fact. Like, I watch it, I'm like, I don't really understand why it had that rating. And I hardly think the content was harsh enough or graphic enough for R. I think it was more of a PG-13, if anything, just due to it is an animated film so if you had anything less than pg-13 kids would have had the wrong impression like or parents would have had the wrong impression but there was death and blood so that seems to be suitable but other than that i thought the pacing for the movie was and with the plot and the story of the season was just perfect like they managed to change my opinion of a character with the first few minutes of meeting him and they introduce his entire backstory and relevance to the plot within a very short amount of time with, without it seeming forced at all. Or obnoxious for that matter. Because sometimes anime will give you plot information 
and it's just over the top and it's just like what are you guys even doing with this information like this doesn't make sense so they really i think they worked really hard on making this all seem relevant and not overbearing in the viewer's mind so i think this was a fantastic movie and i think it's going to pave the way for other anime movies to release a movie when the arc is just too short for an entire TV series instead of trying to stretch it out. And we're seeing this with the Jujutsu Kaisen movie coming out relatively soon. And I think a lot of others are going to follow this trend. So I think the fact that they just blew this out of the water will make like kind of change the industry a little bit with how they go forward with other arcs. I would like it. Enjoy seeing movies if the arc is too short for Mm -hmm. like an episodic series because like I said, this felt like I could easily see them making a season out of this. But like I said, I feel like that would have dragged down way too long. Some of the fights wouldn't have been as impactful as it did. Though I could see a few of it, if they slow down a little bit, I could see some of it being a little better. Because at first, I thought the fight was going a little too quick. But then when I see it, the overall picture, I was like, oh, that actually that actually worked out mm-hmm. and how you said your character change or impression uh-huh. change i'll be the first to admit it i th- i think i even said it in our demon slayer mm, i hated him we both did ren goku i absolutely hated oh, the guy. i thought he was just a smug bastard i hated him so 100%. much I, he said like three lines in the season one and i'm like i this dude sucks like i don't like him at all he was so smug but let me yeah i'll be i'll admit it too like he i like this character a lot yeah his stupid thousand mile stare and his Mm -hmm. smile that never went away i'm just like oh my god you are an annoying prick yeah (sighs) it was rough but boy did they change it because like you said when we learned the backstory it felt fluid Mm -hmm. when we did it didn't seem for so it wasn't a jarring like flashback it was all like it all flowed really well and i'm glad of how they did it but yeah i'll be the first to admit i absolutely despise running goku but then after this i I was like you you're the man Mm -hmm. you're the man (laughs) (laughs) yeah i agree so if you don't remember season one left off with the crew, Tanjiro Z- Zenitsu. Am I pronouncing yep, Zenitsu. Yeah. Zenitsu. I always pronounce, um, I always forget how to pronounce his name. Inosuke Nezuko at the train station, getting ready to meet up with Rengoku for a mission. The mission was to hunt down a demon that is killing many people, including multiple demon slayers. But this adventure wouldn't be an exciting one if these guys didn't almost miss the train. <laughs> But after they board, we meet up with uh, Hashira, mm-hmm. Hashira Rengoku and learn that this train isn't taking them to the location of the demon. It is the location of the demon. It is somewhere on board the plane, on board, planning its next attack. They all get their tickets punched by a very depressed looking train attendant. <laughs> he was so depressed. <laughs> he literally looked like a zombie. Yeah. And shortly after this, a few demons appear, and the demon slayers naturally dispatch them. 
So, it looks like the movie is just about over, but then the demon slayers all fall asleep in their seats for, I don't know exactly how long. Yeah, but it was just some sort of passage of time. We don't actually get how long they fell asleep. We don't even really, they did it so well that you didn't almost, like, notice <clears throat> mm-hmm. they were in a dream. Well, yeah, so I've, so one, the, the depressed train attendant was really weird. And I was just like, what? I don't really understand. Like, why is he so depressed? Like, he's a bad guy for sure. And then the, the demons that came out to attack, I'm like, oh, shit, we're jumping in this real quick. And it was just a really good scene because it showed how powerful Rengoku is because he just annihilated them. And they were all, like, really excited, amped up and stuff. And then it transitions and, like, does a cut to them falling asleep, like... I don't know. It just felt like they were just so hyped up and they ran themselves out of energy. So that's why they were asleep. It was a very interesting transition. Well, it was also, if I'm not mistaken, the right before they showed them like falling asleep, they were all hyped up and then they go completely out of character. Like Tanjiro, Zenitsu and Inosuke they go like completely out of character and well i guess not, maybe not for tanjiro but they were all like all almost worshiping rengoku mm. but they did it in such an obnoxious way i was like in my head i'm like what are they what did they just do to these characters <laughs> they just ruined them and then it pops to them sleeping i'm like oh well fuck did not see that one coming mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was quite interesting. Like I didn't quite know like why they fell asleep so suddenly, but the few scenes after kind of makes sense because this movie's not over. Those demons were not the demons that they came to dispatch. So we kind of see the scene where the train attendant meets up with another demon towards the front of the train, and he begs this demon to put him to sleep since he fulfilled the task and he punched those demon slayers cards like he was supposed to. So he did He did his deed, so he just wants to go to sleep forever. And this line obviously makes you realize, like, okay, so they're under some sort of demon art. That makes sense. So the demon obliges, obliges and um, puts him to sleep. It's kind of depressing because you're like, damn, he just, like, begged to be killed. It was, like, euthanasia type thing. So the demon then orders these four other passengers that if they also want to sleep peacefully for the rest of their lives... They must enter the dreams of these demon slayers and destroy their spiritual cores, which will make sure they never wake up. So we take a peek into each person's dream, each demon slayer's dream, because these kids go, they tie off ropes to the demon slayers, and this rope is binding them so that the passengers can enter into their dream state. So we take a peek into everyone's little dream world, which appears to be some sort of fantasy world that is kind of sculpted by their own subconscious. So we deep dip our toes into Inosuke's dream world, which is this cave where he's just this warrior that's battling the fiercest monsters. And he's attempting to d- battle this train monster because from the beginning of this show or the, this movie and the end of season one, he was obsessed with the train and this giant beast that they were going to ride. So he wanted to conquer the train. So it, it's really fitting to his character. And then we jump into Zenitsu's. And he's living this happy life with uh, Nezuko because he's just madly in love with her. 
And then we go into Rengoku's, which is more of his hometown, it seems like. He's living his life. And it's kind of just like a very normal dream state. And then we go into Tanjiro's, and his is living with his family as if they were never slaughtered. So he's still collecting charcoal. He's taking care of his little brothers and sisters with his mom. And it's like a really sad dream state because this is probably for me the most emotional episode that we've gotten since that first episode of season one because nothing else has really been that sad like there are sad moments but this one was really it really hit home because Tanjiro had to deal with his family like losing his family again because this is his perfect dream state so it was a really sad moment so as these passengers entered their dream states they attempt to make their way to the demon slayer's spiritual course and we learn how powerful of a demon slayer rengoku is we saw it earlier when he killed the demon slayers but we see him before his spiritual core is attacked he subconsciously restrains the assailant outside of the dream state so he's physically still asleep but he is restraining the assailant in the real world while he's still under control of the demon art and meanwhile, Tanjiro starts to realize that things aren't right in his world and things just start to not make sense. Pieces of information are coming to him in weird ways and he's realizing that nothing is as what it seems. But it really things get really switched up when he sees a vision of his late father kind of signaling to him that he is going to have to kill himself in order to wake up from this dream. So he ends up doing it which took a lot of balls because you know something's wrong but like is killing yourself really gonna solve the issue so he does it and he wakes up and he directs nezuko to wake everyone else up as he's uh trying to figure out what the hell is going on i think one of the best thing was inosuke's dream because if you guys don't remember him from like season one he would He's basically born in the wild, and his whole thing is beast arts. So he's not like used to modern technology. Which did and anyone? So, did anyone train him beast art, or did he just kind of learn that? I'm pretty sure he just kind of learned. Like that. what a beast! That's fucking awesome. At least from what I know, because all we know really about him is that during the training to become Demon Slayer, he knocked out a trainee. And basically took its place mm-hmm. because he just wanted to fight. Oh, he didn't yeah. even know what was really going You're on. Right? He's just like, let's fuck these people up. Yeah, he just wants to fight. It, it, literally based on his like primal instinct. And so when this train comes up, he like, I forget if he like punches it or something. But then he sees how fast it goes, and he's always attempting to jump out the window. Because he wants to race it, <laughs> mm-hmm. thinking, like, oh, let's race. I want to show my dominance. And this is one of the times where I said, I don't mind when, like, the the theater has, like, a little thing that only lasts for a few seconds. But, like, when that showed up, when at first we're, we saw him battling monsters and we're like, oh, okay, this is very Inosuke. And then we heard it when he's like, oh, like, he felt that primal urge of like a tough monster coming out and then we see it's the train <laughs> the whole theater just started laughing for a few seconds because like every it was like so perfect because 
you had all this serious momentum and then this happens and it just like breaks the mm-hmm. ice but in such a good way it was like it gave you a brush of breath of fresh air and like everyone kind of laughed and everyone was kind of like cheering him on like yeah like go fight him and then when we saw zenitsu with nezuko everyone kind of laughed too because his is all like flowers happy-go-lucky all in this meadow skipping with nezuko i think nezuko was even talking normal Mm -hmm. and like a girl voice and everything and was like completely pampering him and all this stuff so it was funny seeing like everyone's different ones and everyone also kind of thought it was cute when nezuko like woke up or got out of her little Little box box yeah box thing and was like trying to get tantra to wake up and then she like gets all pouty and just fucking headbutts him and like blood just starts coming mm-hmm. out of their head because she hit him so damn hard which actually like saved the day because that's what started to spark his memories because he would smell her blood and it kind of started to break the the demon art which gave him his like broken memories yeah it started he started remembering like what happened like getting all these flashbacks and that's when he started like going away and he started crying because he's like i had to go now and then like all his little siblings and then like the youngest one was like crying begging him not to go and it was just like oh my god like you said it was so it was emotional like even when you knew it was fake seeing this like five-year-old little sister Mm-hmm. crying and begging her big brother not to leave which is like so heart-wrenching and then one thing i thought was cool how you mentioned that rengoku was like subconsciously able to attack the girl and like you even saw her like f- go up in the air and like the like invisible marks of his hand like choking her out where on the flip side, when you went to Tanjiro, his like spirit guardians or whatever literally led the dude yeah. to his spirit core. And then the guy's like all confused, like, why are you doing this? You know what I want to do, and you led me here. And he like breaks down. And every- it was like, oh my God. Now we're just in an, an emotional ro- <laughs> Yeah. I didn't know this was an emotional train ride. <laughs> yeah, because Tanjiro's nature is to help everybody so even though the person wanted to inflict harm tanjiro's nature was to help him out and try to get him to satisfy his goal achieve it which is very sad (laughs) but i also just really enjoyed this scene because it really emphasized the the demon's ability really emphasized how strong the demon these demon slayers are because he mentions that no demon slayer has ever broken free of this demon art. So seeing Rengoku fight without actually breaking it shows his strength. Because one, he's still under control of the demon art. So he hasn't broken it. So that shows how strong the art form is. But it shows how strong his subconscious is because he knows when he's in danger. And he knows that he needs to fight to survive. Which shows how insanely strong he is. But on the flip side, we see how strong Tanjiro 
will be, I believe, because Tanjiro was able to break free of this demon art, which, despite his physical strength now, I think it's sort of a foreshadow of how strong his spirit and just power will be later on. And then we have Inosuke, who gave the attacker a run for their money while he is while inside the subconscious, because Inosuke is so primal that he just wanted to attack the person. So the person didn't have time to find the spirit core because he was just so intent on attacking anybody that was within this world. And then Zenitsu's subconscious, we already know from season one that when he is unconscious, he is brutal, ruthless, and powerful. So once that person interrupted his subconscious and his little paradise, his subconscious took over and wanted to hunt down whoever was destroying his world and harming Nezuko, or so he thought. was like. So he had this protective nature, and he was just running amok in his own subconscious. So that was a really cool thing to see. So all these characters have their own strength behind them in their own subconscious. And I think this influenced it without it spelling it out for us. And if I'm not mistaken, I think almost the entire train ride, he, Zenitsu is asleep. basically unconscious. Yeah, yeah, yeah asleep. <laughs> Pretty much until it's like over. Mm-hmm. At least when the demon train guy, I forget his name, is taken care of he's pretty much like asleep this entire time Mm -hmm. and that confused the hell out of the person because they're like wait he's still asleep Mm -hmm. how is he doing all this (laughs) and that's why zenitsu is one of my favorites he's just such a a comedic relief but he's also so powerful but they nerf him by making it he's only powerful if he's asleep he was so strong they had to nerf him (laughs) So as you mentioned, once they finally did break free from this little demon art hypnosis, everyone gets assigned tasks by Rengoku. Tanjiro and Inosuke must kill the demon that is on the train, must find them and kill them while Zenitsu, Nezuko, and Rengoku protect all the passengers because there's like seven or nine carts, I think. Yeah, this was insane, honestly. Like, yeah, how he, how he divided it up. It was like Zenitsu and Nezuko each deal with one car, and then Rengoku deals with all the rest. <laughs> like, okay. And so Tanjiro and Inosuke has to go and find the demon, and they find him at first, and because he relies on like all this hypnotism and everything, he's very physically weak. And so, at first, it seems like it was going to be an easy battle. But then, excuse me, after they, like, kill him, or at least they thought they killed him, they find out it wasn't, like, his real body. His real body was hidden somewhere else in the train. But then we find out his body ends up becoming the train. Like, the entire train is this demon now and he's like feeding off of what he's trying to feed with all these passengers but luckily Zenitsu, Nezuko, and Rengoku are all like destroying these tentacle-esque things that are like trying to swallow the prisoners so they're each doing their own like demon art 
demon slayer breathing techniques and whatever and like i mentioned before rengoku is dealing with like five to seven of these train cars while the rest are dealing with either one or two and it's honestly pretty insane how he's just like yeah i'll take 90 percent of this train <laughs> you go fight the demon so which again emphasizes how strong this dude is it really does and it also kind of how you hinted that like Tanjiro is going to be like very willfully strong, like mentally strong. It also shows in the fact that once the like they find out that the demon is built in this train, they have to head towards the front cart where they find like the actual like neck is because like the only way to kill a demon is to decapitation. And so they are on the train, they get like on top of it and are like subway surfing, trying to get to the front where they think the the neck bone is, but of course it has like this big like muscle mass blocking it. But not only that, the demon c- creates like a pillar of this mass. I don't really <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, just what like else a to- giant tentacle. Yeah, tentacle you know, pillar. You know, anime and their tentacles. <laughs> but it has like a hundred eyes on it. And the the way the demon hypnotizes you is he you can look at him and then it's like a snap or a sound. And you, if you're staring at his eyes or if you're looking anywhere where his eyes are, you instantly fall like back asleep. So Tandril has nothing to protect him against this. He is constantly being put in his dream world, but within like a second, he returns back and tries to continue fighting. And it, it just repeatedly going over and over again. And the reason why he's able to do that is he's keeping his memories to he's killing himself, literally committing suicide every time he goes in the dream world. Which and emphasizes like said, Nez- or which emphasizes Tanjiro's mental strength. Exactly. <laughs> like crazy. You may think, oh, like your dream world, like just killing yourself. But like, how will you know when you are not in the dream world anymore? Like it's the whole inception thing. And that actually comes together because he does it so many times that Tandro actually gets confused at one point and he holds the blade up to him when he's not in the dream world. And he's very confused because he's like, wait, Am I dreaming? Am I not dreaming? If I come, if I like, am I actually going to die if I kill myself now? And he's having this whole crisis. That's when we finally see Inosuke come by and he like stops him and he goes, what are you doing? You're in the real world right now. Like you fucking idiot. Yeah, pretty much. And he's able to like snap out of it. And Inosuke leads the charge and because he's like, he can't deal with it because Every slash he makes, even against, like, the eyes and whatnot, they instantly regenerate almost instantaneously. And so he can't do this alone. The reason why, or at least what Tandro, I think, summarizes, like, one of the reasons why he can't get put to sleep is because he's wearing that boar head. And that's hiding his eyes. So the eyes that are looking at him don't know where to look. And so he doesn't have to look at them. He's just relying literally on his primal instincts. And that is 
almost canceling out his like hypnotism because like we said he has to like look at you and create that sound or whatever it was to hypnotize you but because he can't look at where Inosuke is so now Inosuke is leading the charge going down this tentacle pillar to get to the freaking neck bone and Tanjiro is just going right behind him keeping his eyes only on Inosuke so he doesn't fall for it and so Inosuke is able to slice open all this muscle tentacle mass thing leaving the bone and then Tanjiro is able to use does I think he just uses his regular water breathing technique I don't think he uses his fire dance one I forget what it was called oh, I but, can't remember I I thought he did use it but did I, he, he might have maybe he did use it because it was like the final thing so that's like his trump card but whatever technique he does, he does it, and, like, at first he just, like, lands in it, and he's, like, struggling, and then, of course, you get the whole scene where the demon's like, no, I can't lose, no, no, and finally he cuts it, and the demon is finally killed, and the train abruptly comes to a somewhat safe halt. <laughs> they yeah, kind of de derail, but... No one died, so <laughs> it's safe-ish. Ish. Yeah, yeah. This was a pretty intense scene because, I mean, it was a pretty cool battle overall. But it was really cool to me because you see Inosuke as like this brute who's all about fighting and only cares about fighting people. Wants to be stronger than than this person. Wants to be stronger. Wants to prove himself. So. This was a really cool scene for me because as Tanjiro is killing himself in the dream, Inosuke doesn't really know what's going on. All he knows is Tanjiro stumbling and he's coming back to the fight. So whatever, it doesn't matter. They have a mission to do. But then when Inosuke sees Tanjiro about to slash his own throat in the real world, you kind of see the side of Inosuke that we've never really seen before because he like stops him. He's like, hey, like you idiot. Like He's obviously insulting him, but it shows his camaraderie. And, like, the fact that Tanjiro is a teammate, so he cares about him. He wants to keep his team safe. So as much as he's a brute that just wants to fight, he also has a soft side and really, truly cares about the team that he's been traveling with. So I thought that was an amazing scene and just shows this side of him that we really haven't seen before. But maybe he just did it because he's like, I can't kill this dude on my own and I want to take <laughs> down this train bitch. Oh, hold on. There, now that I'm saying this, that was a huge foreshadow in season one when he's like, look at the size of this monster. He was calling the train a beast. It's because his primal instincts probably knew deep down that it was the demon. He's been calling it a beast that he needed to fight from the beginning. Right in front of our own eyes, and we didn't even catch it. I think that was more foreshadowing story-wise because as far as I know, the demon didn't fuse with the train until he was almost dead. So, I mean, story-wise, it could have been that or the whole reference because the demon was already on the train. But as far as if I'm remembering this correctly, the demon didn't infuse into the train until actually like halfway in the actual movie. I don't know. I, I don't remember. I don't remember if it was actually um, there or not. Because 
we I don't think we actually ever saw him infusing it because they chopped his body or chopped his head off and his body didn't disappear, which made it seem like he wasn't. I don't know. I guess I'd need to rewatch whether it was infused or beforehand or not. But if it wasn't, then it's either way. It's still a foreshadow, I think. But uh, yeah, give he, us a five star rating and let <laughs> us know if we were right or wrong. <laughs> Yeah, so but I just I just pieced that together that like he's been calling it a beast that he needed to take down from the beginning, and here we are taking down the train. Yeah, I and... thought it was pretty nice, and like you said about the whole like camaraderie, because towards like the very end of season one, you do kind of see them or Inosuke started growing onto him more. I think it was more admiration to Tanjiro because of the that whole like training towards the end when. Like, they wanted to give up, but he's he kept with it. And I think that's kind of when he started turning point to, like, thinking of him as, like, an equal or whatever. And then that, sh- like, solidified it when he stopped him from cutting his own throat. Yeah. Yeah. I was really pumped about that scene. In those cases, one, like, a really fun character. I really like him a lot. As you said, they took down the train. Like without many casualties if any so that was a pretty big step for these young demon slayers they got to fight next to a hashira learn his strength and where they need to go in terms of being a hashira because they realize how weak they are in this fight like rengoku washed the floor with them he took 90 percent of the train while the rest were cleaning up the mess basically so it really kind of humbled them because I think Inosuke even mentioned, like, wow, I want to fight you, but, like, I wouldn't win this fight. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, so we're chilling outside the train, and Tanjiro's pretty injured because he actually got stabbed during the fight. But Rengoku teaches him some, some breathing techniques and actually learns teaches him how to stop minor-ish wounds from bleeding. So Tanjiro's pretty much down for the count. But he's healing up. He's resting. And as this is happening, the sun's still down. Everything's still um, dark. The demon disappears and another demon shows up. And this demon is from the upper moon. It's a section of um, Muzan. Or what's his name? Muzan? That big demon? Yeah. he's the, the Muzan has the two ranks. The upper moons and the lower moons. The upper moons being the stronger. So the upper moon number three appears, and this dude straight up looks like Sukuna's vessel, like from uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. He straight up looks like Sukuna's twin brother or younger brother or something. So he's this tatted up dude, comes in, and shit starts to get real because he asks Rengoku to become a demon with him. And Rengoku's basically like, you're stupid i would never become a demon but he's really emphasizing like you're weak you're a human you can't beat us upper demons so become one and strengthen our crew but rengoku's not having it so they end up fighting and this is an intense fight inosuke is talking about how like he wanted to fight but he couldn't he couldn't keep up with them he would only become a hindrance so they're attempting to watch this fight but they're moving so fast and it's just oh this was kind of frightening because 
you start to get worried. Like, what is happening? So things start to, it starts to seem like it's a stalemate. They are both very strong, but Rengoku is getting pushed down and pushed back a little bit. There's a lot of resistance coming up and it starts to take a turn. So Rengoku starting to go all out. He's using all of his strength, all of his willpower. And he ends up slashing his blade through the demon and the demon punches a hole through Rengoku's stomach. But at this point, Rengoku grabs onto the demon's arms and just holds on. And the demon was just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, get off me. Let go. And the sun starts to come up. And the demon starts freaking the fuck out because they can't stay out in sun no matter how strong they are. <clears throat> or at least so it seems. So this demon actually rips his arms off and books it like to get away from Rengoku. And it starts to get a little more grim because as the demon's running away, Tanjiro gets pissed and is like yelling at the demon for being a coward and won't stay behind or stay back and fight because he knows he's not stronger than Rengoku. And Rengoku's sitting there dying slowly. And this was a pretty sad moment for me because I've really started to feel for this character. I really liked him. And I did not want to see him die, nor did I think after introducing all of his backstory that he was going to die right here. But inevitably, Rengoku does die. And word travels fast all around to all the Hashira. And the crows tell each Hashira and the head captain of the uh, Demon Corps, Demon Slayer Corps, that uh, Rengoku has died. Man, that was a that was a tough scene, honestly. I think what also made it that much more was the fact that, like, although he kept getting injured, he was he was holding his own against him because he kept freaking like cutting off his limbs, but because he was a demon, he just regenerated them within a few seconds. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the demon kept calling him weak. He's like, because you're a human, you don't heal as fast i can tell your injuries are piling up and almost like mocking him and that's when you get the i guess you could say like famous line rengoku says that you see in like a lot of the trailers is he's like the beauty of being human is dying i forget uh, i forget what he actually says he's like i i never that's the whole reason being human is to die and like the beauty of death and everything mm-hmm. i forget how it goes but that's whatever his saying is that's where he gets it from and then for me i thought it was going to be like a typical anime thing because like you saw him slow getting slower and slower with each injury and everything but then he comes up and does his like trump card breathing technique mm-hmm. and i was like okay so here it is. Here's the final turn of events. Like he's almost dead. Like how in every anime, the protagonist is on near death's door. And then he's like, no, my friends, I can fight. And <laughs> with the power of friendship, he's able to freaking have like 20 holes and lose two gallons of blood, but be able to stand back up and kill his enemy and live. 
And I thought that was what was going to happen. He does his flame technique and everything, and then that's when you see the hole in his chest and the demon's still alive. And it's just like, he threw everything at him. And he is pretty much leaving without a scratch. And I think that's what made it more impactful, is the fact that he did everything he could, and he's the demon's basically leaving without a scratch. And that's gonna like, make that's gonna make that uh, reappearance of that demon in a later season really difficult. <clears throat> I can't like, wait for it though. Oh, like, it's gonna I'm, be intense. But it was just insane. And then I'm not gonna lie, when Tanjiro threw his sword at him, mm-hmm. I legitimately what I thought was going to happen was as he was running away, I thought he was going to cut the tree line. And, like, the sun was going to get him and kill the demon. I would have been a little pissed that that's how he died. But still been like, all right, at least he died, too. But, no, he just chucked his sword at him. (laughs) And, like, it stabbed him. And now he's swordless. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm curious as to what's going to happen with that sword as well. I (laughs) feel like that's going to... I don't know how, but I feel like that's going to come back, too. Like, maybe the demon though he never uses weapons, he's going to come back using that sword. Well, I'm wondering, because, I mean, Tanjiro could probably just run run into the forest and grab the sword. No, it's in, it's lodged in his oh, body. Oh, is that the one? Because I know yeah. he took out... I know he took out um, a Rengoku sword and threw it to the side, so maybe he did the same. Oh, maybe but, it uh, was Rengoku's sword. I don't know, but it was well, some sword, I was going to say, Rengoku's sword was... Rengoku's sword was stuck in him, and then Tanjiro threw his sword. But when he was running away, he ripped out Rengoku's. But I I don't know if he... It didn't show him ripping out Tanjiro, so I wonder if he'll ever get it back or if he has to uh, have it remade for him. Or maybe and he if, takes Rengoku's. True. I actually, I think Rengoku's broke. I I'm not so, 100... I think so, too. It's been, it's been a few months since I've seen it. Well, actually, more than that, but... um, But it was... uh. Yeah, it made me so angry because so when I went into this, I knew that Rengoku was going to die because of spoilers because I was so delayed in watching it. But when they defeated the train uh, demon, I'm like, okay, maybe I was wrong. Like maybe I misinterpreted the memes and everything that I saw. And I'm like, maybe I don't know. I guess I must have misinterpreted it. And then that other demon showed up, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Here it is. This is where he dies. When I was first watching it, oh. Oh, I was just saying, I was second-guessing myself, like, oh, fuck, here it comes. Like, Or I was second-guessing myself at first, like, oh, he doesn't die. Like, this is awesome. I'm pretty happy, because I like this dude. And then I'm just like, shit. I let my guard down, even though I knew it was coming. But when I saw this in theaters... After they killed the demon, like, the the demon train, and, like, Tanjiro got stabbed or whatever, and learned that breathing technique, I was like, okay, his life is staged. I was like, is that really how it ends? Like, <laughs> That was so anticlimactic. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it was good, and I enjoyed it, but I'm like, is that really the end of the movie? 
Because obviously I'm not streaming it, so I couldn't just look at like the timestamp and be like, oh wait, no, there's still 15 minutes or 20 minutes left, whatever it was. And am I, I'm just like, what? I'm like, wow, they really ended it. And next thing I know, the, the demon shows up. I was like, oh, this is where it gets, this is the interesting part. And then the whole fight ends. And I kind of knew towards the end, it like was very hinting that he was going to die. But like I said, when he showed his trump card, I thought it was going to be the c- typical anime cliche. He overpowers and everything. Mm-hmm. But nope, he didn't. And I'm just like, wow. Well, I was getting After nervous. After you made me like this guy, <laughs> you fucking killed him off. I was getting nervous because I was trying to figure out how the hell is everyone else surviving after Rengoku dies. And I totally forgot about the sun. So that kind of helped helped everyone survive. Yeah, that I was about to say that would have pretty much killed everyone, but he had to run away. But I do, I am interested in like how the, he's gonna come back and all the like foreshadowing kind of like if has there ever been a demon slayer turned demon? Is that who the mm-hmm. main demon guy is? Was he a demon slayer turned demon? So, man, I was wondering when he was kept saying. Like, hey, become a demon, or, yeah, become a demon. Like, how awesome would it be? You have so so much power. I think he did mention, like, no other Demon Slayer has t- taken me up on this offer yet. But who's to say he's the only one making this offer? So I think this is definitely going to be a thing where Demon Slayers, maybe even some Hashira, I don't know. Maybe they're going to switch sides and accept the demon um, offer. I think... It's going to happen, and it's going to be pretty intense. Hmm. One thing before I forget. Both growing old and dying is what makes us humans. Mm, That's that's his fucking line. (laughs) I knew I would remember it. (laughs) (sighs) I've seen that trailer, like, so many times, and I'm like, what is his... I'm like, what is this thing? And I was, like, playing it back in my head, and... I just remember his voice now. I'm like, both growing old and dying is what makes humans humans or what makes us humans. Some kind of paraphrasing like that. That's what he says. Just had to get that out there. I'm glad you did. Yeah. (laughs) Would have literally bugged me all day. (laughs) Well, I think that's probably a, a good one to end on then. So I'm I'm genuinely curious to know what other people's opinions are on what we've said, like the possible foreshadow of demons, demon slayers turning demon. What do you guys think? Do you think that's going to be a possibility or why would they even mention it? And just kind of what your ex- expectations are for the future of this show, because there's a lot of things that could go on here. So, uh, yeah, do you have any questions for the audience? Hmm. Yeah, my question will be, what was your opinion before and after this movie of Rengoku? Because as we kind of mentioned before, we both pretty much hated his guts. (laughs) And then once we kind of learned his backstory and why he's smiling and the the reason why he's he's basically broken inside, but he's actually a very caring person because he ended up like accepting Nezuko and everything. And I'm just like, you motherfucker, you made me love this guy. And then you killed him. You broke my fucking heart. 
I don't know how they did it, but they did it. Yeah, so that about wraps it up. Some facts for us before we go. The film was rated PG-12 in Japan, whereas in America it was rated R, which, like I said in the beginning, should have been PG-13. R was a little excessive. This was, as I mentioned earlier, the highest grossing anime film of all time. And in Japan, any person who who attended the screening of this movie also received an exclusive volume called Rengoku Volume Zero, which would have been sweet if they did that here. Yo, I saw it in theaters. Japan, I'll (laughs) I'll give you my address. Send me that volume. Do it, Japan. You heard it here. You have to. If any of our listeners are in Japan, (laughs) please send us a volume zero. Or a PDF file of it at weavespawn at gmail.com. So that will be it for this episode. Don't forget to show us some love and support at patreon.com slash weebspawn. And of course, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at weebspawn. And you can contact us at weebspawn at gmail.com. Yeah, maybe if we get some Patreons, we can actually go to Japan and get those volumes. (laughs) Then we could review the volumes for you guys. But thank you all so much for staying with us and listening. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you guys next time when we weeb spawn.